Welcome to Hang Your Hat, a podcast about ideas that are close to home. This is episode 14, Propane and Propane Accessories. It's officially summer now, and what summer would be complete without backyard grilling? In today's show, we're talking grilling, its history, types of grills, and their fuel, and a few grilling ideas for the non-meat eaters in your life. So grab a match, tongs, and some protective gloves, and let's get started. Here in the United States, the 4th of July, or Independence Day, is the grilling holiday. The 2016 Weber Grill Watch survey found that 87% of the people surveys plan to grill on the 4th. That is 12% higher than the next most popular holiday to grill, which is Memorial Day, by the way. With the 4th just around the corner, there couldn't be a better time to talk about grilling. Grilling is a form of cooking that involves dry heat applied to the surface of food, and its history goes way back. Our prehistoric ancestors were the first to begin grilling, probably soon after the domestication of fire, roughly 500,000 years ago. Most likely, someone at some point found an animal carcass that had been cooked during a forest fire, thought it tasted pretty good, and decided to recreate that taste at home. It turns out that was a good idea, because cooked meat is easier to digest and has less bacteria and parasites than the raw stuff. And as a result, humans thrived. Grilling spread around the world, and it is almost impossible to think that such a basic cooking technique could do anything other than that. I couldn't find a single culture around the world now that doesn't have some form of grilling. However, despite grilling's early start and universal appeal, grilling technology stayed pretty primitive throughout history. At its most basic, grilling is basically cooking food over fire, and for most of history, that is exactly how it was done. Until the 1950s, in the United States, grilling usually took place over an open fire or in something called uh, brazier grills, which were basically bowls that could hold cooking fuel with a grate on top. It was the early 1950s when George Steffen Sr., an employee at Weber Brothers Metal Spinning Company, created a grill that started the modern grilling movement. But before I talk about the modern grilling movement in the U.S., I think it is important to talk about how modern American cookouts and grilling culture got its start. Grilling, which is fast cooking over fairly high heat, is different from barbecue, which is all about slow cooking over indirect heat. However, the outdoor cookout parties that we have in the U.S. today started with barbecue. Native Americans were the first to do pit-style barbecue in the U.S., but Englishmen were publishing accounts of hanging out at all-day barbecues as early as the 1660s. And soon, slow-roasting hogs became a standard way to celebrate a holiday across the South. Even George Washington and Andrew Jackson were known to enjoy a barbecue. Jackson went as far as to plant a grove of trees to use as fuel for presidential pig roasts. The backyard grilling parties we have in the U.S. now really didn't take off until the end of World War II, when the troops came home and began populating the suburbs. The backyard spaces available in the suburbs lent themselves to new outdoor activities, like grilling. In the early 1950s, Weber Brothers Metal Spinning Company was best known as a maker of harbor buoys, 
which looked like big metal spheres. George Steffen was employed by Weber Brothers Metal Spinning Company as a metal worker and liked to tinker in his spare time. Around this time, he inherited controlling interest in the company and decided to give the company's harbor buoy a makeover. He cut it down the equator of the sphere, added a grate to the bottom half and used the top half as a lid, and cut some holes for ventilation. The Weber Grill was born, and backyard grilling has never been the same. Nowadays, there are many different types of grills, but we can still boil nearly all of them down to three different fuel types. There are grills that are powered by electricity, grills that burn gas, and grills that burn solid material, most commonly charcoal or its derivatives. Even if we had never had an electric grill ourselves, I think most of us will be familiar with the most iconic of the electric grills, the George Foreman Grill. Starting in 1994, infomercials for the Lean Mean Grilling Machine filled the airways, and the grills are still being sold today. The advantage of indoor grills is that they tend to be less expensive than grills that use other fuel sources. They're also small and can be used inside, so they're great for people with limited space or those who are lacking outdoor space. The disadvantage is that the food that is cooked on an electric grill doesn't really taste like it's been grilled. There's none of the smoky taste that's usually associated with grilling. Gas grills are the most popular type of outdoor grill. They are usually run off propane gas tanks, but many can be converted to run off natural gas lines, which are cheaper than propane and convenient if you already have natural gas running in your home. Gas grills heat up quickly and don't require a lot of cleanup compared to grills that burn solid fuel. But, like electric grills, they also don't impart much of the smoky flavor that grilling is known for. They also tend to cost more than either electric or solid fuel burning grills of the same quality due to the safety measures required for gas cooking. Solid fuel burning grills are not nearly as convenient as gas or electric grills. They take a long time to heat up, cleaning up the ashes when you are done grilling is dirty and takes extra time, and the heat produced by the grill is harder for novices to control than other grill types. However, the flavor produced by a solid fuel burning grill cannot be beat. Here in the U.S., solid fuel burning grills almost always burn charcoal or charcoal derivatives, and it is that that gives grilled food its distinctive smoky flavor. All charcoal starts out with some kind of organic compound, usually wood, heated up in an oxygen-poor environment. This is called slow pyrolysis. Without oxygen, the wood won't actually catch fire, but the water and other volatile compounds in the wood will get sort of cooked out. What you're left with is a high-carbon lump of stuff, which is charcoal. The production of charcoal dates back to ancient times and was originally made through a process called kindling. In places where wood was abundant, would be stacked up in a cone-shaped pile with a hole or chimney in the middle of the pile to serve as a flue, and openings at the bottom of the pile to allow for some ventilation. The whole pile would be covered in turf or wet clay, and then the bottom of the pile would be set on fire and allowed to very slowly burn, using as little air as possible, which produced charcoal. While this may not seem like it would work that well, large-scale charcoal production became about 90% efficient by the 17th century. And charcoal production was so widespread, it became a major source of deforestation, especially in Central Europe. 
Now charcoal is usually made through retorting, a process in which the heat is provided by and recovered from the combustion of the gas released during carbonization. What most of us put in our grills usually isn't charcoal, however. It's charcoal briquettes. Charcoal briquettes are a mixture of charcoal and other ingredients like coal, starch, sawdust, and sodium nitrate, which helps it burn easier. They're molded into lumps that are easy to light on fire. All of the additives make charcoal briquettes much cheaper than pure charcoal, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because briquettes are uniform in size and consistent in material, they have a much more consistent burn than pure charcoal. However, they also produce a lot more ash than charcoal. Since the ash acts like an insulator, the heat produced by briquettes tops out at a lower temperature than pure charcoal. And the sheer volume of ash means that you can't use briquettes effectively in some grills, like ceramic grills. It may surprise you to hear that early large-scale production of charcoal briquettes in the U.S. was actually a byproduct of the auto industry. In 1919, a group of industrialists, including Thomas Edison, Harvey Firestone, Henry Ford, and Ford's cousin-in-law, Edward Kingsford, set out on a camping trip. They called themselves the Vagabonds, even though they were traveling with their chauffeurs and six cars and had a full kitchen truck. But I guess that was still roughing it for them. During this trip, Ford discussed the acquisition of Timberland with Kingsford because, at the time, the Ford Model T was made with about 100 feet of timber, and Ford didn't want to have to buy that timber from someone else. Ford ended up purchasing 313,000 acres of timberland in Iron Mountain, Michigan, and set up his own sawmill and parts plant there. However, Ford was upset to find that his mill and plant created a lot of waste in the form of sawdust and wood scraps. He saw this as not only a waste of resources, but a waste of money. Edison came to the rescue by designing a charcoal briquette factory, which was erected next to the sawmill. Kingsford ran the plant, which produced 610 pounds of briquettes for every ton of scrap wood. The company that was built from scrap wood is now called Kingsford Charcoal, and it is the leading manufacturer of charcoal in the U.S. Based on the topic of grilling this week, you might guess that I'm a meat and potatoes kind of gal, but that's just not the case. I'm actually a vegetarian, but you don't have to be a meat eater to love grilled food, and I'm willing to bet that there are a few grilled vegetarian options that even the staunchest meat eater would enjoy. Grilled vegetables are an obvious option for vegetarians, and they're super tasty. Squash, including zucchini, peppers, eggplants, cherry tomatoes, Cauliflower, corn, and potatoes all stand up well to the heat of the grill and make very nice veggie kebabs. My favorite veggies to grill are onions and whole cloves of garlic because they have a wonderful sweet savory taste when they come off the grill. If you want to grill a meat alternative, I recommend tempa because it's very sturdy and won't fall apart on the grill, especially when cut nice and thick. Tofu can be pretty tricky to grill because it's very soft. 
If you do want to grill tofu, I recommend starting with the extra firm variety and squeezing out as much water as possible before grilling. If you want a burger alternative, then veggie burgers are not a bad way to go, but they can be pretty crumbly straight out of the freezer. It's better to cook them most of the way through and then finish them off on the grill. Or go with the portobello mushroom cap. It is great as a burger substitute or just on its own, and it will stand up pretty well to a few minutes on the grill. My absolute favorite thing to put on the grill is fruit. The sugar in the fruit is caramelized by the grill, making the fruit even sweeter. When you combine that with the smoky flavor from the grill, you get a flavor combination that is just incredible. Pineapple and mango are my favorites, but melons, peaches, nectarines, and watermelon are also good on the grill. I've also seen some other ideas that look great, but I haven't actually tried myself, like heads of lettuce, pizza, pound cake, and a really grilled grilled cheese sandwich. Thanks for listening to Hang Your Hat. I hope you've been inspired to plan your next outdoor cookout. I would love to know what you think about the show. You can let me know by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or tweeting to me at Jerworkin. You can also find me on Instagram as Jerworkin, or you can visit the podcast website, hangyourhatpodcast.com, or you can email me at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com. Today's music was by Andy G. Cohen and Jason Shaw and can be found on freemusicarchive.org. I will also link to it in the show notes. The Hang Your Hat Podcast is a production of DerwickenCrafts.com. That is G-E-R-W-E-R-K-E-N-Crafts.com. You can visit Derwickin Crafts for DIY inspiration, home decor, crafts, tutorials, and more.